It took me quite a long time to develop a voice. And now that I have it, I am not going to be silent. Madeline Albright. My guest today is going to talk about a topic that maybe you've been silent on, and that's your vagina. Yes, she's going to talk about vagina, vagina, vaginas, because she has an event coming up, and you don't want to miss this one. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now, I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we are gonna talk about vaginas. Yes, I know this is probably something that you don't hear talked about that much, but the truth is you have one, you take it with you everywhere, and it's a big part of what makes you a healthy woman. And my expert today knows this better than anyone. She is an expert in vagina health. She has a great event coming up we're going to tell you about. And she has a voice, and she's not going to be silent. And you shouldn't be silent either about what's going on for you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we will get started. Premier women's health expert, a best-selling author, entrepreneur, inventor, and business leader specializing in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery for over 20 years. Dr. Betsy Greenleaf is a trailblazer as the first female in the U.S. to become a board-certified urogynecologist. Yay, Betsy. She is the CEO of the Pelvic Floor Store. She has a blog at drbetsygreenleaf.com. She's the host of some of your parts podcasts. And also she hosts the Happy Vagina Rally Summit we're going to tell you about. She's dedicated to women's wellness and the notion that you are greater than the sum of your parts. And Body, Mind, Spirit podcast that focuses on the trinity of total health. She's the best-selling co-author of You Were Made to Be Unstoppable. Welcome, Dr. Betsy Greenlee. Thank you so much, Dr. Kieran, for having me here. I'm so excited. I love talking to you. So this is going to be great. <laughs> yes, Betsy is so much fun. Not only is she brilliant uh, when it comes to women's health and especially vaginal ecology and pelvic floor things, but just such a free thinker and out, very outspoken. She shared the quote from Madeline Albright with me before this episode, and I said this so speaks to who she is in the world and I think who I am too, right? It took me quite a long time to develop a voice and now that I have it, I am not going to be silent. So did you used to, to not have a voice on important matters? You know, I, unfortunately, I think I've always just kind of not had a filter, just spoke my mind. But I did find very quickly that, especially in traditional medicine, especially in, in unfortunately, the time that I did my training, it being in a male-dominant field, that 
people did not want to hear me and it did get me in trouble, especially my first, my actually very first job, I came out in the early 2000s thinking, come on, it's 2000s. Like, you know, this is crazy. Like how bad can, you know, medicine be? And I'm going into a hospital where it was like stuck in the 1950s. And so they were not used to having somebody that spoke up. In fact, it was so strange. Like one of the first times I was in the hospital, I went into the doctor's lounge and I walked in and it was a room full of, would you think of like traditionally like old white men and they were all eating their lunches and they all like looked up and the room got silent. And I just sat down and I just started (laughs) eating my lunch. And like, I was like, what is going on? This is so strange. Later on, I spoke to some of my female colleagues and they're like, you went into the doctor's lounge? And I was like, "Uh, last time I looked, I do have a degree. They're like, oh, we don't go in there. Only the men go in there. So yeah, so unfortunately, I kind of learned the hard way that people don't always want to hear what you have to say. So I do have a tendency to rock the boat, but I just, you know, as much as they've tried to squelch me over the years, I still haven't learned to shut up and I'm just going to keep talking. So. Oh my gosh, you just brought back so many memories from when I first came out of residency and went to work in this hospital and the doctor's lounge. Oh my gosh, yes, you were like an anomaly. You were like a rare bird walking into the Serengeti and they would look at you like- They were like lions. What are you doing here? (laughs) And do you know what? I even remember that in the, so in the surgical suite, they didn't even have a female doctor's locker room. The only doctor's locker room, they said this is the doctor's locker room was for males and females. So they would tell us, you have to go in there and change. I'm just remembering this. And of course, none of us wanted to, so we didn't. So we went into the staff female locker room and change. Like, it's such a, oh my gosh. I think it's still like that in some of the hospitals I go to. It says like doctor's locker room, and then there's the nurse's locker room. And I'm like, but there's a lot of male nurses, and obviously there's a lot of female (laughs) doctors. So, but, you know, the the men go into the doctor's one, the female go into the nurse's one. (laughs) <laughs> and God forbid you would you would raise your hand or say something at the, you know, the OBGYN staff meeting. They really would look at you like with these daggers, like, are you real? Like, it's enough that we gave you a seat at the table, but you're going to open your mouth and say something? <laughs> really? It's actually, you know, it's funny, too, because I actually even started out in general surgery before I switched to OBGYN. And I remember oh. walking into the operating rooms and like the doctors would look up and they'd be like, uh, you, what am I going to talk to you about? And I would go home and study the sports page. Everybody else was studying like surgery textbooks. I was studying the sports page. So I had something I could walk in and talk to them about. So oh, maybe know. I should have done that. I didn't think of that. <laughs> and I think it's important that women listening know kind of what the environment was like for us and still is in the hospital environment because it will help you to understand a lot of why you're not getting what you need from medicine. Because if this is the oppressive environment that the doctors are living in when it it comes to women, this is what is being translated to you without words in the care that you're receiving or not receiving and the attention to your vagina and lady parts that you're probably not getting to the level that you needed. So that's why I think it's important to know. So let's dive into talking about, well, first, you're the first certified 
urogynecologist female in the U.S. That's amazing. Yeah. What prompted you to want to go into urogynecology? You know, it's interesting. So I told you, I started out with general surgery, and I was mm -hmm. the person who... I wanted more of a relationship with my patients. And listen, general surgeons are amazing people, but I found for me, they were too much like body mechanics, you know, get in, get the job done, get out, but I, and not have a relationship with the patients. And so I wanted a relationship with, with the patients. I was going around on general surgery and I was the one who was rounding and being like, so how do you feel now that your appendix is out? How are you feeling about your like gallbladder being gone? So <laughs> I realized like that wasn't really working. And so I switched into OBGYN and I didn't even know that urogynecology existed. In fact, in medical school, I kept saying like, I had originally wanted to go into OBGYN, but I wanted to just do the surgical aspect in the office. I didn't necessarily want to deliver the babies, partially because I like to sleep at night. <laughs> babies come at all hours of the day. And so they told me that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And it wasn't until my very last rotation as a OBGYN resident that I did Eurogyne. And I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, this is what I've been telling people I want to do. You know, I was being told before, like, that's blasphemous. You can't just do the surgical aspect. And so, yeah, so I found that. And uh, I got really lucky because I was a month from graduation and most fellowships have already accepted their fellows into the program. So I reached out to the fellowship director and I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get in right then and there because I was like, all right, I'm going to have to work for a year and then apply. And they, I got lucky. The person that they had accepted into the program for whatever reason was unable to start. And they like last minute had an opening in the Eurogyne program. So I was able to start that. So that was great. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And so you've had this really deep dive into pelvic floor disorders. I know you're very passionate about the vaggie biome and you're holding this event, uh, the Happy Vagina Rally that's coming up soon. We will have a link in the show notes for you guys to sign up. And what are some of the most interesting things that you learned doing the interviews for this event about the vagina that you would like to share with everyone? You know, it's been so much fun because every time I interview people, I think like all of us, as we talk to people, it's not just the conversation, but then it's an exchange and we're learning so much from each other. I think, you know, part of it was being traditionally trained. We didn't get a lot of training in sexuality. In fact, actually, they took it out of the curriculum when I was in medical school. And I think even when it was in the curriculum, it was only like a week long. So we have a couple speakers that talk about sexuality that like from Susan Bratton to I have a woman who is the erotic massage coach. And that was she's so much fun to talk to because I was starting to think sometimes with women, as we go into menopause and the vagina, the tissue gets thin and easily irritated. And, and a lot of women will complain of pain with sexual intercourse and they'll just kind of give up on their sex lives and be like, okay, it's done. And I'm like, bringing in this woman who's the erotic massage coach, like talking to her, first of all, she is just so much fun. I'm like, wow. I never even thought about that as like an option. And when you first hear about it, she does these classes on like how to like kind of, you know, get your partner aroused. But 
I was like, well, that doesn't sound fun for, for me or the woman, but it's super empowering. And, you know, really like her background is just absolutely amazing when it comes to this. And then we had people talking about toxins. I mean, I, I mean, how many times have I like drank out of plastic bottles and didn't know prior to interviewing these people that these endocrine disruptors and hormone disruptors and plastic bottles and cosmetics and things we're putting on and in our body and how that's affecting our hormones and even our vaginal health. So it has been really enlightening along the way. And of course, we have you talking about menopause on the summit too. So a lot of fun <laughs> little tidbits from Dr. Kieran. So it is just, it was a lot of fun making it. And and I mean, I can't, I could go off on hours for all the different speakers that we had. We actually had to kind of hold it down to 30 speakers because that was the other thing. At first it was turning into this week-long summit and my, I really wanted to address busy women because I don't know about you, but I don't really have a lot of time to sit there and watch a lot of videos. So I wanted, we decided to pare it down, make it 30 30 different speakers over a four-day period so in like short half-hour sessions so you can just kind of get in, get the information and get back on, you know, with your life. So yeah, I am super excited to hear it. Definitely want to hear about that massage therapist you talked about. So why is the vagina so important? I know some women here get it. Any woman who's had recurrent vaginitis, oh my gosh. That's probably one of the most frustrating things for women. And if you've had that, you probably know what a big deal the vagina is. But I think that most people don't get the importance of the vagina, just like they don't get the importance of their mouth. People are like, yeah, my mouth. What do you, what about it? I chew food. I swallow it. I go to the dentist. I brush my teeth. Big deal. And I'm like, no, your mouth is everything. So why is the vagina so important? when it comes to women's health? You know, it's one of those things is you don't think about it until you have a problem and then it's consuming and then it's hard to find answers. But really the vagina has so much to do with all of our health. And it's, it's been fascinating over the years to find the connections between the gut, the brain and the vagina. And even when you're talking about the mouth, when we talk about microbiome, so microbiome are the small microorganisms that live in different areas of our body. So our microbiome of our mouth is different than that of our gut, that is different than the vagina, but they all interact. So, you know, starting with the mouth, we're 75% of us are chronically dehydrated. So if you're dehydrated, you're going to actually throw off the healthy bacteria in the mouth. And that's where your digestion begins. And if your digestion isn't good or the bacteria in your mouth isn't good, that's going to throw off your gut health and your stomach health. And we know that the gut health, 95% of our happy hormones are made in our gut. And 80% of our immune system is made in our gut. So if our gut is off, that can lead to inflammatory conditions, autoimmune conditions, probably 90% of the medical conditions out there today are either caused by or aggravated by things in the gut. And then things like anxiety and depression are aggravated by our gut. And then if the gut is off, that throws off the microbiome of the vagina. And then we're more susceptible to recurrent yeast and recurrent vaginal infections. But then to connect it even further, like you can go in circles with this stuff, is if the 
microbiome of the vagina is off, there are researchers that are looking into this now that there's this feedback loop to the brain and the brain goes, mm. okay, it's not an ideal time to reproduce. And so it will dampen sex drive and fertility. And because the brain doesn't know the difference between wanting to have a baby, wanting to have fun. So now a lot of times we, you know, women, especially postmenopausal women would come in and like, I have no sex drive, give me hormones. And hormones are a great tool and they are amazing and they work. But in some women, it doesn't completely fix the problem. And then we got to go look at the ma the microbiome because if the microbiome of the vagina is off, the brain is going, okay, it shouldn't be reproducing right now. Let's dampen everything. So I think that's some fascinating research that they're doing right now too. So it's amazing how all these body parts are interconnected when you think like, you know, the brain's up here, the vagina's down there. How can it be connected? So I think that's so important. So thank you for highlighting that is that you know, with the modern age, birth control, we have uncoupled sex from reproduction and we just want to have it because we enjoy it. It improves intimacy or for whatever reason. Your body doesn't see it that way. It still sees it as you get, you're rewarded with a sex drive when you are optimally healthy because then it thinks you'll make a healthy baby and you'll be around to take care of it for 18 years. But how interesting that there's data that if your vaginal environment is off, that it's going to feed back into your brain to be a kill switch on your sex drive. Yeah. So for those of you maybe who are in your 40s or older, maybe you're in menopause already and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to have sex because my vagina is thin and frail and it hurts or whatever maybe part of the problem isn't just that it's how it's affecting your brain and cutting off your sex drive that's fascinating yeah and then it feeds into you know hormones do play a part because if we're not getting estrogen well and there's other receptors in the vagina but if we're not getting hormones to the vagina the vaginal tissue thins out and our healthy bacteria the lactobacillus lives in like the symbiotic relationship with us like it lives off our off of our dead tissues which sounds kind of gross but it eats something called glycogen it survives on that and in return the healthy bacteria produces hydroperoxide which keeps the vagina very acidic which fights all the yeast and the bacteria so now you take the hormones away the tissue thins out the lactobacillus starves to death and now the whole vagina the microbiome gets thrown off so i mean you can connect hormones and you know health mm -hmm. and everything and it all goes back to the vagina so everything connects to everything else <laughs> Everything's related. Um, and I love how, I love when women see that light bulb go off and no longer is it like, oh, I just have a recurrent vaginitis problem. And they get it that, oh, my gut microflora is off. Oh, my mouth, my hormones, right? All these things. And so we're going to have a link to the Happy Vagina Rally. I'm wondering, they're going to get lots of great information there. There's so many women I find in their 40s and 50s who start having problems with their pelvic floor. And I find, I'm amazed by this, you're probably used to this, they don't even want to talk about it but to their providers because they're so embarrassed. I've had women, uh, and I'll ask them, are you having a problem with, you know, something protruding from your vagina and you're not sure what it is? And they'll go, yes. And I said, well, why didn't you say something? And they're like, because I'm embarrassed. I had one 
couple people take a video or picture with their legs, like between their legs. What is that? So can you talk about some of the problems that women might experience with pelvic floor uh, relaxation in midlife and what, what they are and kind of give them a little primer? Sure. You know, this is, I can't tell you, I mean, being a urogynecologist, this is what I did every single day of my life. And yet every single day I would have a woman in the office that goes, oh, I'm the only one this has ever happened to, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, in fact, actually 50% of women will have a pelvic floor support problem. And so the way we're built, unfortunately, Gravity takes over everything. I mean, you know, everything starts heading south, you know, from our boobs to like earlobes to our vaginas. And some women who've had babies are at a little higher risk of things drooping and dropping, though you don't have to have had a child for that to happen. You can get damage to the ligaments that hold everything inside. So we have our bones of our, our pelvic bones. But other than that, there's only muscles and skin that are holding everything inside of our body. I mean, we're just, everything's going to gravity. And so inside our pelvis, you have your bladder, you have the vagina, you have the rectum, and these things can start drooping and dropping and falling out. And part of it's from ligament damage, not, you know, you know whether it's having a baby or being constipated and straining too much, or maybe coughing or lifting something too heavy. And then the problem is we start losing muscle mass. We lose about 8% muscle mass for every decade that we live. And nobody thinks about, I mean, we hear about Kegels, but nobody really thinks about exercising the pelvic floor until it's too late. And then things are dropping. And then they're like, well, can I do exercise for this? I'm like, we well, should be doing exercise all along. And then we, you know, people go to the gym all the time, but no one's thinking about exercising their pelvis. And we need to keep those muscles strong and healthy. But what a lot of times they'll say like, well, sometimes people come in, they think they have a tumor because all of a sudden something's hanging between their mm -hmm. legs. And usually it's the vagina that's bulging. You're seeing the mucosa, like the skin of the vagina that's protruding. And well, sometimes we prefer like the bladder's falling out, the vagina's falling out, the uterus is falling out, the rectum's falling out. Like nothing's going to be falling and dropping on the floor. So I have to like tell you that. Like you're not going to be walking down the street and all of a sudden, oh, there goes my uterus. Like it's just that the vagina is built to stretch kind of indefinitely because otherwise how would we pass babies? But if the ligaments aren't good to hold things up, then the bladder's gonna start leaning on the vagina and push it out. Or the rectum's gonna start leaning on the vagina and push it out. And basically everything's just kind of flopping and collapsing. And a stage four prolapse is actually where the vagina can fall down and turn inside out and hang between the legs. So that is possible. So if you're experiencing anything that's drooping or dropping, you know, get it checked out. Uh, at the same time, I know it's kind of shocking if some, that happens because it can be a gradual process or somebody could lift something heavy and if they're not lifting properly, you got to blow out as you're lifting. But if you hold your breath and all of a sudden pop, there goes something and you're finding it between your legs. It is not a surgical emergency. It is something you should probably see a doctor for, but you're not, you're not going to die. Like things are, it is pretty shocking because nobody talks about this, that it can mm -hmm. happen and realize that about 50% of women will have this happen at some point in their lives. And so sometimes it comes along gradually. Sometimes it's all of a sudden like, Ooh, where, you know, Oop, there it is. Yeah. So. Oop, there it is. So, yeah. Yeah, it is shocking because nobody talks about it, but we're talking about it and I'm glad you're here. So now if it happens to you or your BFF 
send text you what is this photo and you can be like no problem it's pel it's pop pelvic organ prolapse yes. <laughs> i got you right and so like say that did happen i know i've heard i knew this doctor she trained up in the appalachians and she's like they would put potatoes put a potato up there yeah, and hold it, it up you know, it's so funny. In ancient Egypt, they used to use like rocks or pomegranates. And then Roman times, they'd use rocks or potatoes, which I don't recommend any of those things. They do make medical devices called pessaries, which are usually made out of silicone. And they are come in all kinds of crazy shapes and sizes. Some like look like very small Frisbees all the way to they look like donuts or cubes. And they basically are these devices that kind of you fold them in half or kind of crunch them up and you put them in the vagina and they just take up space and they wedge in there. And that's a great non-surgical way to take care of things and have things go back to where they're supposed to be. And so sir, you don't necessarily have to have surgery. And that was one of the things I trained. Some people have heard about vaginal mesh and I see the 1-800-BAD-DRUG commercials. And I have to say vaginal mesh is not a hundred percent as bad as it was made out to be, but that's a whole nother topic. But when I first came out, I was doing surgery on everybody because that's what you were trained to do. And then one day I realized, wait a minute, why am I doing surgery if it's not bothering the person or if it's not causing health conditions? And so you don't necessarily need to have surgery. There's non-surgical options. Or if it's not causing recurrent urinary tract infections or it's not affecting your kidneys, it can actually just be followed and you can kind of leave it alone and manage it that way. But you do have to get it checked out to make sure it's not affecting your kidneys or your urinary tract. So Yeah, so what is the treatment? So pessaries are one option. The mesh was big fiasco. And are doctors even using mesh at this point? Say there's somebody listening who's like, knows that she's got stress urine incontinence, she's got a cystocele, right? The bladder's falling, maybe she has a rectocele and or an enterocele, so the backside's coming down too. What should she look for in trying to find someone to complete a surgical repair for her? What, what things are available? You know, there's are some regular gynecologists are very well trained in this, but I, of course, I'm a little partial to urogynecologists uh, or someone who's gone through female pelvic reconstructive training. The problem with any of the surgeries, and this is something that as a profession we've learned over time, is none of them are 100% permanent. It's not like you get your appendix out and like you no longer have your appendix. Like the process that caused you to have that in the first place and the fact that we know that some people are just genetically have weaker tissue, even when you put it back surgically, it can recur. So I always tell people, just make sure that you understand that because there are some people that live their whole lives after surgery and it stays perfectly fine, but there's some people that a year later, five years later, 10 years later, it drops again. So there are a number of surgeries. There's ones that go can go through the vagina and it's not like people always ask, well, why don't you just find the ligaments that are torn and just rehook up into those? Well, a lot of times those ligaments are so thin and non-existent there's not anything really to rehook up into, but there are still vaginal procedures. Though the vaginal mesh only refers to the mesh that's placed through the vagina, and mesh has been used for surgery for hernia surgery since the 80s. So mesh is actually still used, 
but it's actually placed in through the abdomen and that's not considered vaginal mesh. It's, it's still, it's actually made that of the same exact stuff, but it's mm. not the vaginal mesh that everybody like heard of and got scared of. So they actually do other surgeries where they come in from above through the abdomen or through tiny incisions with a laparoscope or a robotic surgery. And uh, people always ask like, is a robot doing my surgery? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's the doctors running the robot. The robot has the ability to do finer movements so mm -hmm. and then basically they're reconstructing and wrapping this material and it's usually like a thin mesh around the vagina and kind of attaching it to the tailbone to reconstruct that that ligament and then i have to say over the years i've gotten a lot of uh, questions about mesh like some people picture it in their mind as being like a window screen it's mm. not that rough it's more like if you think of the fabric like tool it's more like almost a little bit thicker than tool fabric that's in like little my little daughters had uh little tutus at the time it's it's closer <laughs> to that type of a material so well when um, you were talking about like why can't you just reattach the tendon so i was thinking it's not like a cut shoelace it's more like pantyhose that's been so stretched yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you get like a run in your, that's a great, I, I'm, where were you when bazillions of years ago and I could have used that. Yeah. Like if you get a run in your, your stockings, you're not going to sit there and try to try to sew it back up because right. you're just going to make more runs and it's just going to keep going and there's really not much to pull together. So, and the mesh, yeah, it's like twelve or it is like pantyhose kind of like a really fine fishnet pantyhose but all right so some great solutions there well tell them about what they're going who else is going to be uh, the happy vagina rally summit i'm there you talked about susan she's amazing any other people and we will have the link in the show notes and it airs on what days june 9th through 12th 9th through so, 12th yeah. yeah so anything else you want to share about what goody goodness they will get there yeah even though we call it the happy vagina rally it's not everything about vaginas it's we're talking everything from perimenopause to menopause and vaginal health. So we're kind of covering it all. So we have Kevin Ellis, the bone coach, talking about osteoporosis, when, uh, which was actually interesting when I interviewed with him on his podcast, we actually found studies that connected bone health with vaginal health, which I was fascinated by. I was like, what? We have people like Susan Bratton. We have Lee Jagger, who's the, the erotic therapist. We have JJ Virgin talking about sugar and your diet. We have Deborah Atkinson talking about exercise and how, why we can't lose weight as we get older. I have Dr. Annika Becca talking about hysterectomies and menopause. I have some your other urogynecologists talking about prolapse, talking about incontinence, different vulvar dermatologists. I have a vulvar dermatologist on Dr. Lynette Margison, who's going to be talking about, we think about dermatology, we think about our skin everywhere else. Nobody thinks about their vulvar skin and how to take care of that and the different conditions that come up with 
vulvar dermatology. We have a professional chef who's going to give a recipe for smoothies that are healthy for your vagina. Vagina smoothies! Vagina smoothies! There's a pelvic meditation. This was actually fun. I, I, I actually created this pelvic meditation. I started looking into things beyond traditional medicine and looking into some of these alternative therapies and sound therapy and certain wavelengths that are supposed to stimulate your pelvic chakra, which is opens up creativity. And we created a pelvic meditation at a certain frequency as with something called binaural beats, where it's like slightly different tones in each ear and actually has a relaxing property to the brain, which was actually fascinating to look into and create. So we have a little bit of everything going on. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh my God, it sounds amazing. As you're talking about all these people, I'm writing it down because I'm like, I need to have them on the podcast. I need to have them on the podcast. I need yes. to have them on the podcast. Yeah. And as you said, the idea, oh, vagina smoothies, I'm like, it's like we need spa for the vagina and we could have special, like Anna has her Jolva. If you haven't tried Jolva, y'all, you got to try Jolva. Yes, yes. Um, I credit that with my great vagina heading towards 60. So so that sounds amazing. We will have the link in the show notes. So you and can it's check funny that you out. And it's funny you mentioned the vagina spa because that's in the works. That's in the works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I was going to ask you along those lines, I have to, we'll end with this. So I go to this, don't tell anyone, but like one of my favorite places in Atlanta, when I go there is Jeju Sauna. Do you know Jeju? No. So Jeju is this, I don't know, it's like 20,000 square feet Korean bathhouse up uh. in Gwinnett County. And they have... First off, every kind of sauna you could want to go to, right? They've got the jade sauna and this salt rock sauna and the gold sauna and like all these saunas. They've got steam rooms. They've got the best foot reflexology I've ever had. Every time I go there, I get the foot reflexology. They have this Korean scrub where the women, you lay naked on this table. It's like this big room of all these, they look like surgical t tables, TBH. And they scrub you down. You're like totally naked. They have a towel over your head. If you didn't know what was happening, you'd think it was really weird. And they scrub down your body with this scrub. And it is, it's just, it's wonderful. Well, one of the things they have is they have the pussy bath or steam bath where they have this pot of herbs that they put over like a little heating thing and you sit on this special chair so that your vagina is over it. And I'm just wondering if you're familiar with that and if you know, does that have any benefit for the veggie biome and vagina or know what your thoughts are? You know, it's funny you bring that up because I know that was made super popular, especially with Gwyneth Paltrow. I know she's been kind of touted yeah. as making that super trendy. And there is a lot of belief that vaginal steaming can help with fertility or the biome or menopause. I think when you come, I'm really into body, mind, spirit. So I think if you believe it's going to help, it's going to help. And I think it may be very relaxing, but Honestly, it doesn't work anywhere close to what people think it believes does. They think they're going to sit on this pot of herbs and that the steam is going to go up in the vagina and clean it out. But 
Reno's gynecologist, the vagina is an organ that's collapsed on itself unless there's something in there. That's why when you put a tampon in it, in, it doesn't typically just fall out because the walls of the vagina are collapsing and holding it in. So the steam is really not going to get up there. Plus you have the lips of the vulva that are kind of protective. And for most, and there's so much, I always say vulvas are like snowflakes. There's not like, there's not they all, they all look different, but for the most part, the lips of the vulva are kind of keeping that area closed. So it would be really difficult for that steam to get up in there and steam things out the way people are picturing it. But if you think it's relaxing to do so, I'm like, okay, you know, go ahead and do it. Though I do caution people about some of, you know, you can with anything get, uh, skin reactions to the herbs you can react to the herbs you can relax react to the potentially the steam you gotta watch so you don't get burns in that area so there are some considerations with that but you know if it's just kind of like hanging out with the girls and uh, relaxing <laughs> you know yeah. yeah so if you've had one check me out on instagram or betsy and let's hear your experience i'd love to know i did it one time because i wanted to see and the herbs are great you get to breathe them in so i'm wondering if actually it has more respiratory benefit than anything uh, what else like aromatherapy it's like, aromatherapy yeah yeah but re- i'm with you like the vaginas collapse down it's not a stovepipe. <laughs> And so I don't really know how much benefit there is to it, but I do think that if you have a belief around it, and it could be working at an energetic level on the energy body and on that sacral chakra that is all about creativity. So we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on that. So check out Betsy on her Instagram. What's your Instagram, Betsy? At Dr. Dr. And then Betsy Greenleaf underscore. You got to put the underscore. This is my second account. I kind of... okay off the Instagram talk about not keeping my mouth shut I pissed off the Instagram gods the first the first account so. yeah well let's end with this other quote you had from Ann Rand which I love it the question isn't who's going to let me it's who is going to stop me well Instagram may try but the vagina lives on with the happy vagina rally. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Betsy Greenleaf. We will see you at the happy vagina rally. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. It's been my pleasure to have you here today. I want you to take in mind some of the things that we've shared. If you learned something that could benefit another woman, please do consider sharing it. And I want you to think about developing your voice and not being silent. What is it that you need to speak up about and be truthful about? Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.